Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The Bible is a book of twos. In it we have two trees, two men, two creations, and two purposes or plans, represented by two mountains, all of which become two lines that run throughout the entire scripture, resulting eventually in two outcomes or two consummations. The book of Psalms clearly shows these two lines, often giving us stark contrasts between the two, helping us to bring into sharp focus that God desires His people to always be occupied with the central line, the line of Christ, the line of life. Matt Miller has joined us. We're bringing our fellowship to Psalms 31, 32, 33. But really, Matt, once again, we have a program where Witness Lee's burden um, doesn't deal too much with the uh, fine points, the details given in those Psalms, but more that we would really see God's purpose on the line of life, doesn't it? It does, Chris. And I went back before the program today and I read all of Psalm 31, 32, and 33, and in the light of this life study, and and it really helps to have the life study to get the big picture. Otherwise, in a sense, you get lost in the forest for the trees. You you lose what God really wants, and you easily are distracted. I'm really thankful for the life study and the ministry of the New Testament that brings us back to Christ. I think, again, our listeners will recognize today that Witness Lee is going to uh, use the, the contrast aspect of the Psalms. We see the two lines that we were talking about in the introduction contrasted very sharply. Sometimes, as he said in a recent uh, program, Matt, in David's speaking, in David's writing, in the Psalms, we can see both lines sometimes in the same verse. So David's a good uh, window, isn't he? Because I think in many ways he uh, typifies us uh, in both aspects, how we are on the line of the law, the line of uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and also at times touching the line of Christ, the line of life. The title of these life studies, Chris, is The Mixed Expressions of the Psalmist Sentiments in the Enjoyment of God in God's House. I like that word mixed because David was mixed up. He had some really good things, but he was also appreciating the law to the uttermost. And we've done a lot of programs up to now. And for those who haven't followed us, maybe this is their first day. This may be a little shocking that we don't appraise and appreciate the Psalms as highly as others might, but we're seeing it in the light of God's economy, in light of the line of life. And there's some really good verses in Galatians chapter four that shows Paul fighting the battle against the Judaizers who were bringing in the influence of the law in the New Testament, if you don't see that struggle in Galatians and in Romans, when you read Psalms, you get completely caught up in this mixed sentiment, and you get mixed up yourself. So hopefully today, as our listeners stay with us, they'll get a real clear word from the Lord about the picture in Psalms. I appreciate you mentioned Galatians 4. Witness Lee will refer to that in this first section. Actually, you know, we've seen the two trees in previous 
programs from Genesis 2. We have talked about a number of these twos. Today, we're going to see the two mountains in this first section that uh, typify these two lines. Uh, The first, of course, is Mount Sinai, where Jehovah gave the law to Moses. Uh, But as he will point out, Sinai in Scripture does not represent something positive. The positive mountain in Scripture is uh, the one that Paul talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, and that is Mount Zion. It's Mount Zion that typifies the line of Christ, the line of life, isn't it? It is, Chris, and as I went back and preparing for this program, read all the way 10 verses from Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 through 31, and also Hebrews 12, there's a scene with these two mountains, Mount Sinai related to the law, because the law was given later. But then you have Mount Zion, which is a very pleasant scene, and that's the place where God is happy. God is not happy with the law. He said, we should cast out the maidservant. Hagar is representing the law and Mount Sinai, a concubine. It's not something that God wants. Why would we treasure it? And this is the point Paul's making in Galatians. He's fighting for Christ. Don't be distracted by the law. Yeah, I should have added that to this uh, list of twos. We have uh, not only two men, we also have two women, don't we? We have Hagar and we have Sarah, uh, both in a sense uh, wives of Abraham, one a proper wife and one an improper wife. And it's the improper wife, Hagar, that is identified with the law, Mount Sinai. So uh, I hope this picture comes into clearer focus as we uh, listen to Witness Lee, and then we'll come back and try to uh, fill in the, the gaps, man, in our fellowship. Very good. All right, here's Witness Lee. When we come to the Psalms with a clear view concerning the whole Bible with the principles, you have to realize the Psalms bear two burdens. All the Psalms, 150, as a book, it bears two burdens. It takes care of two responsibilities. The first responsibility is to just show us Christ. This is Christ. From the very beginning in the eternity past, God had no thought about a law. I would ask you, when this matter of law came in, Mount Sinai, in the eyes of God, Sinai is a very negative word. Sinai produces slaves. And Sinai is signified by a concubine, not by a proper wife. The proper wife was Sarah. The concubine was Hagar. And all the Jews who stick themselves to the law so much, they are all slaves. But Hebrew tells us, we are coming out to Zion. Here, we are not slaves, but we are sons of the free woman. That means of grace. The grace of God is signified by the free woman. That is Sarah. The law is signified by concubine. So this first responsibility of the Psalms is to show us Christ. This is central. This is universal. Christ. Then the second burden, the second responsibility, to give us comparison to give a comparison between Christ and the other thing, that the law. You know, in the Bible, God shows us two lines. The proper line is of Christ from God. 
And the nectarine is of Satan. This is why there are two trees in Genesis 2. Two lines. But you have to know there is something. It's also considered as a lion. A hard line. That the lion of the law. Where you put the law then? Christ is the main line. The law is a satellite. If you don't handle the cell line rightly, the cell line becomes the negative line. Now we're talking about the comparison between all of these twos, these two lines, uh, all and all of these types of the twos, the two trees, the two mountains, etc. One of these lines is always positive because it's always Christ, isn't it? Whether we're talking about him as the tree of life or uh, Mount Zion or uh, grace, the other line is always negative, and it's very easy for the law to shift onto this negative line, isn't it? That's right, Chris. It's a sideline. And the sideline, it wasn't God's main line. It came later. God's original line was the tree of life. He wanted man to partake of the tree of life, which was a picture of Christ in Genesis chapter 2. But man didn't. So man fell, went down, down several falls, and eventually in Exodus... God comes in at Mount Sinai and gives the law. This was a sideline. It wasn't God's original line. And Paul is fighting for this in the New Testament to make it clear. This is a second thing in Hebrews. The law came later. Yeah. It's not God's goal. And so we should not be law keepers. We shouldn't treasure the law. We should treasure Christ. We shouldn't love law keeping. We should love Christ. We hope that as you listen to these life studies out there, you're, the result that you have from these programs is you love Christ. We want you, as you're listening to these programs, to walk away saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. I love you more now than I did before. I I want to spend more time with you. I want to read your word more. I want to be infused with you. I want to live you. I want your face to shine on me. Mm. But we don't want you to walk away saying, "I I need to do better. I need to be a better Christian. I need to be a law keeper. There's a difference And we really hope we can make that clear and clearer in this program today. Uh, Matt, you said something early, I think, actually, in our conversation before we were listening to Witness Lee. And I'd like to come back to that, talk about it a little bit, because I don't want it misunderstood. When you mentioned that we do not appraise or uh, appreciate the Psalms, maybe to the degree that a lot of believers do, maybe we can adjust that a little bit. Because we appreciate and worship God for every word of Scripture, but... The sentiment expressed, as we've talked about before in this life study, the sentiment expressed by the psalmists frequently really lost track of Christ as the central line and focused on the law and law-keeping as the central line. And as you've pointed out very correctly, this is what Paul was fighting against in the New Testament. So that's what we don't want to appraise and hold up uh, in an exalting way, keeping the law and appreciating the law. But when the Psalms bring us to Christ as we have experienced now in all of these life studies. We can see Christ in all of these passages and pages as well. When the Psalms bring us to Christ, then, of course, this is really the goal. This really is bringing us to Zion. Let me give you an example, Chris. In Psalm 31, David is enumerating the distresses he's under and thanking God for saving him from his distress. Yet, in the New Testament, Paul was never thanking God for delivering him out of distress. He was talking about all the distress he was in. I mean, if you read 
Second Corinthians chapter 11, he's talking about the proof of his apostleship because of all the distresses he was under. He was in hungers, in threat, in sufferings. He was in a lot of distress. He wasn't talking about God delivering him from the distress, but David is focusing on God's deliverance from distress. Well, God doesn't want to save us from our distress. He wants to be grace to us in the midst of our distress. In the context of David talking about being saved from his distress, he says, cause your face to shine upon your servant. Wow. Sounds like a really good verse, but if you read it in the context, he means shine on me to deliver me from my distress. But in the New Testament, when we pray, Lord, shine on us, the shining is to expose us, to show us how short we are and how much we need Christ, how much we don't love the Lord. Lord, I need you more. Lord, cause your face to shine on me. Anyway, I hope that helps as an example of what we're talking about to why we would see Christ in these psalms and not treasure David's concept as much as we did in our natural thought. Well, Matt, in this coming section, we're going to go to Psalm 33, and I think this will also be demonstrated in this psalm. And this is, of this group, a high high psalm, as we'll hear witnessly uh, tell us in uh, just ahead. So let's go to that, and then we'll come back again. Psalm 31 is gold. 32, better. 33, the best. It is in Psalm 33, says, when he spoke, and it was. When he commanded, and it stood. Wonderful words. In Psalm 33, God restored the heavens. And God restored the earth. And David told us to praise God in this matter. Well, it is good in Psalms according to natural concept. Could you find such kind of revelation in Paul's teaching? Paul's teaching says, Thank the Lord for the resurrection. Not the restoration, but the resurrection from the dead. We have to praise him. Lord, how we praise you. We were dead there, but one day you made us alive. Not only making us alive, but resurrecting us. Raising us from the dead. And today, hallelujah, we are living. We are not only living, we are living in resurrection. We are not restored people. We are resurrected people. You read Ephesians Ephesians 1, Paul had a prayer there. Praising what? Praising the resurrection. Praising the resurrection. Regardless of how much restoration is still the old creation. If you restore the heaven ten times, the heaven is still the old creation. But we are what? We are the new creation. And you cannot find a verse in the New Testament requesting you to praise God for the restoration of the earth and the heavens. May I know Christ and his power of resurrection. Matt, this is another graphic picture, the difference between restoration and resurrection. This is the difference, isn't it, between the Old Testament economy and the New Testament economy. God is not after restored people. He's after resurrected people. That's right, Chris. And when you read a verse like the one Witness Lee mentioned in Psalm 33, you you just somewhat get inspired and you think of the Grand Tetons or the Rocky Mountains. You get some <laughs> grand feeling about 
God's creation and, and you just full of awe-inspiring moments of God's creation. And, and that's kind of the realm you feel like David was in here treasuring God for his creation yeah, or the restoration of God's creation. Yet you don't see any of that in the New Testament. Paul never appraised God's physical creation. Why would we? Well, it's a natural concept. It's a natural thought. But Paul did appraise the resurrection. And I like Witness Lee's reference to Philippians 3, you know, to know him and the power of his resurrection. That's Philippians 3.10. And also referring to Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, that we would know the power that raised Christ from the dead, which is toward us who believe. Yeah, and it goes on in 2. And uh, even when we were dead in offenses, made us alive together with Christ. Again, we're in the resurrection here, aren't we? We are, and, and that's the contrast, the contrast to the natural thought of appraising creation, the restoration of the physical creation, as David did in Psalm 33, yeah. versus appraising the new creation, the resurrection from the dead, that we were made alive. We need to focus on this. We were made alive in Christ. Ephesians 2.1 said that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We're not dead anymore. Romans 8 says, our spirit is life. This is the realm we need to be in, the realm of the life-giving spirit. Christ is the life-giving spirit. Our spirit is life. We're in resurrection. The power is to us who believe. We should be in this realm of the new creation of life, the resurrection life. Wow. Since we're using New Testament verses to contrast with these uh, Old Testament passages in the psalm, let me read Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 uh, as we prepare for this final portion. For I know according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I will be put to shame, but with all boldness, as always, even now, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether through life or through death. For to me, to live is Christ. May I know Christ, he says, Matt. Amen. Here's Witness Lee again. With the law, in the Old Testament, it was all the time man doing things. Yet, man realized that he's weak. He's even sinful. So, he asked for God's mercy, loving kindness. And he put his trust in this God. Then, he takes refuge in this God. You see, he waits on this God. He hopes in this God, he praises this God, he sang this God, and he gives worship to this God. I tell you, these are the points with which all the Psalms are composed. It's all man's doing. Why? Because in the Old Testament, God was without man. And man is without God. Man and God, God and man, these two were separate. You have to see this. Then, in the New Testament economy, firstly, God came into man. When he lived on this earth, there was God living on this earth in man. Then, through his redemption, he solved all the problems for man and paved the way for him to enter into man. Not just to enter into one virgin, but into thousands of men. 
In order to this, to enter into man, he got resurrected. In resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit. And he became the firstborn of God who has brought man into God. In his incarnation, he brought God into man. In his resurrection, he brought man into God. Now, all his believers are in him, and he is in them. He and they, they and him, all become one, one person. And now, it is no more I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Yet, I have to do something. Not the things then by the Old Testament saints. No, no, no. But some of the things uh which are requested in the New Testament economy. Number one, you have to believe in him. Number two, you have to love him. Number three, you have to live him that you may magnify him. Good enough. And this is what, this is not you are doing anything. This is that you are enjoying him. To believe him is to take him. To love him is to enjoy him. To live him is just to magnify him. This all together, you do something, but not your doing. God doesn't want you to do good. God only wants you to leave Christ. This New Testament. Matt, listening this time, he, he said something that to me is absolutely critical in our understanding. The whole Old Testament economy, this whole approach that we're putting on the, you know, the line of Mount Sinai, is an economy for a situation where man and God are separate. But the New Testament economy takes a completely different starting place. It doesn't start with man and God being separate, does it? It starts with man and God being in union. We call it an organic union. And this makes these two lines so distinct and so different, doesn't it? It does, Chris. And the other word we use is mingling. We're mingled together. And it's described in 1 Corinthians six seventeen: He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We're really one spirit with the Lord. Our spirit is mingled with the Lord. What a contrast to the Old Testament when God was far away. Yeah. And... God is one with us now. This is a major thing. He doesn't want us to keep the law. But what he does want us to do, and I appreciated these three things that Witness Lee said, because he doesn't leave it vague. It's clear. He wants us to, number one, believe in Christ, John 3.16 and John Mm 3.36. And number two, he wants us to love Christ, John 14.21 through 23. And the third thing he wants us to do is to live Christ, Philippians 1.19 through 21a. These three things are simple, and it includes everything. To love Christ, to live Christ, includes everything God wants in the New Testament. Everything's implied in this, isn't it? Living Christ. I mean, according to the law, don't lose your temper, in a sense. But living Christ, our temper isn't lost, is it? It's not, Chris. In fact, the Life Study says this better than I can say it. So if the listeners will bear with me, I want to read one paragraph from Life Study of Psalm, message 15. It starts on page 196 and finishes at the top of 197. God does not want us to do good. He wants us only to live Christ. To live Christ implies many things. To live Christ implies being holy and overcoming. To live Christ implies not losing our temper and being enduring and full of patience. We just need to live Christ. And this living implies everything in the Christian life. 
It implies our faithfulness and our honesty. To live Christ means everything. This is why the New Testament charges us to live Christ, that we may magnify Christ. We need to live, move, and walk by the Spirit, having our entire being according to the mingled Spirit. Romans 8.4 This is the New Testament economy. So Matt, here's the law of God. It reflects everything that is holy and righteous and pure of God. But if we set out to keep it, we will always, always, always fail. Yet if we set out to live Christ and put all of our attention and focus on him, actually the law is fulfilled. Amen, Chris. Hope our listeners would walk away from this program loving Christ and living Christ. Boy, amen and amen. Good to have you back, Matt. And uh, either when you're in this chair or in that one, uh, uh, you're always welcome to come by the studio and we appreciate your help very much. Thanks, Chris. Okay, we are out of time, but just enough time to recommend this life study that Matt just read from and a wonderful passage there. Uh, That and all of the life studies are available in printed form if you'll contact us uh, with our toll-free number. We'll give you information about how you can receive it. Toll-free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. You can now enjoy titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Visit lsm.org epublications to find all that Living Stream has available. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and EPUB formats, which means you can enjoy this ministry on all kinds of PC and Mac devices. Many of our publications are also available at Amazon.com and iTunes. But to see everything we have to offer, visit our website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.